how criminals are bypassing MFA, and why Akamai is an appealing M&A target for private equity. These stories and more on this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Anna Delaney. MFA fatigue, aka MFA bombing, is fast becoming a favorite tactic of hackers to gain entry to an account or device. The attacker floods a user's authentication app with push notifications in the hope they will accept. And unfortunately, sometimes they do. In a recent interview, our VP of Editorial, Tom Field, asked Jeremy Grant, Managing Director of Technology and Business Strategy with Venable LLP and co-founder of the Better Identity Coalition, what trends he is seeing when it comes to the adversaries bypassing MFA. Yeah, well, I think one thing you see is, you know, on the security side, we innovate and we put a protection in place and then the attackers continue to innovate as well. And so, you know, whereas a few years ago, uh, we were just trying to urge people to turn on any MFA. And to be clear, I, I still would urge that as a security professional because anything's better than, than none. But a lot of what was implemented was still based on shared secrets. So a no. password is a shared secret. I know it and you know it. And if I tell it to you, I get in. Well, a one-time passcode, all it is is a shared secret that's only good for 30 seconds. And folks got pretty good with spear phishing attacks in terms of coming up with sites that looked, in some cases, like a pixel-perfect replica of sites that you might be using as a consumer. And if they can trick you over to handing over your password, well, they can trick you into handing over that one-time passcode as well. And it turns out that 30 seconds is long enough for an account takeover. I've been saying for a long time now that password strength that people have always focused on for years really doesn't matter. I feel like every time we're advised to use complex passwords, we're giving people advice about how to go win the last war. If you're falling victim to a phishing attack, which is where most of these things are coming out, then you know, I don't care if your password's one, two, three, four, five, or something that has 34 characters that's really complex. If you can be tricked into typing it into your device or your laptop, then it's going to be compromised. And so, you know, on the MFA front, again, whether it's you know tricking people to handing over that one-time passcode, or in some cases, we're also seeing now uh, what people are calling prompt bombing attacks, where if you're using a, a push notification-based MFA, that you know, hey Tom, did you try to log in? Well, if somebody's already compromised your password, they'll just keep firing those at you until at some point maybe you hit yes to make it go away, or just by accident. They only have to be right once. So if you're getting a bunch of these notifications, you know, if they push the button just once, well, then you can be fished. And so we've certainly seen this in some of the higher profile incidences. I think Uber was the most recent one where a whole bunch of companies that were using push. Again, if you go target, you know, 100 people who you think are privileged users, say in the IT side of those companies, and you get one person to click through, well, then you're in. And so that I think has been something that's getting a lot more attention right now. I think you're starting to see again, the focus on things that are, you know, resistant to that, like, FIDO authentication, which because it's based on asymmetric public key pairs, there's there's nothing to fish. But we've got a long way to go still, I think, in terms of solving those issues. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The steady barrage of acquisition reports around publicly traded digital experience vendor Akamai has intensified in recent weeks, says our managing editor for business, Michael Navinson. I caught up with him to find out why Akamai is such an appealing M&A target for private equity right now. Very good to see you, Michael. There is chatter of a potential Akamai acquisition on the horizon. Guide us through the rumors. What do we actually know? Thank you so much for having me here, Anna. 
So there's been rumors swirling around this for several months, going all the way back to May when Betaville, which is a blog covering the MA world, first reported about chatter around this. Then in July, Street Insider said that there was a, a financial buyer who was seeking financing to put a deal together. And then just in the past two weeks, both Betaville and Street Insider have put on additional reports saying that this process is continuing to progress. Most recently on Monday, Street Insider said that there was a private buyer who they don't identify who had initiated talks with Akamai around what a potential acquisition might look like. So Akamai, just as a brief bit of background, their heritage is in the content delivery network space, a direct competitor of Cloudflare, but they have expanded really aggressively in cybersecurity over the past three or four years. And Cybersecurity now makes up roughly 40% of their business. So should the company end up in new hands, they would certainly have a very significant impact on the CISO community. So how did we get here? And what actually sparked these rumors in the first place? So taking a step back, we've been seeing a ton of take private action, which is when notably a private equity firm, but it could be a technology company like Google goes and acquires a publicly traded company and takes them off of the stock market. So we've seen this most notably with Toma Bravo doing that over the past year with Proofpoint, with SailPoint, and now most recently starting the process with Ping Identity. We've seen it with Mimecast and Premiera. We've seen it with Tufin and Turn River Capital. And then there's an offer that's on the table from Vista Equity to do a take private deal with no before. So Akamai is the latest in a long list of companies that may be taken off of the public market. Big reason is the economic downturn. Stock prices peaked in November. Akamai's stock price is down 30 some odd percent from when it peaked, which was in April. So investors feel like they can get a good deal right now. These are often healthy companies seeing double digit sales or revenue growth. And investors realize economic downturn will ease in the next year or two. And they can pay 30, 40, maybe even 50% less than they would have for the same acquisition a year ago. So Seen a lot of companies either leave the public market or engage in talks to leave the public market, like Akamai is here, but very few companies going public right now since the IPO landscape is almost completely dried up. So, Michael, big question what does the future hold? What are we likely to see next for Akamai? It sounds like these talks are still fairly early, that the financing was taking several months and now the two sides are starting to talk. So we may be months away from uh, any type of a formal announcement. And it's possible, of course, that the two sides can't come to terms and we won't hear anything at all. But I do think when there's smoke, there's fire. And there's a reason why so much of this dialogue is happening right now. Akamai is a bit of a strange animal in that there's three different business lines. There's the content delivery piece, there's the cybersecurity piece, and then there's what's called the compute piece, which is focused on essentially an alternative to AWS. It's based off of the company's acquisition of Linode last year. And all of these pieces have really different growth profiles. The delivery business is shrinking. The cloud computing business is growing 60% a year. And the security business is growing at roughly 20% a year, which is good, not incredible, not as much as Cloudflare, but is on par and probably slightly faster than the security industry as a whole. So I do wonder if investors typically don't like to have unlike assets together. So I do wonder, depending on who the buyer is, if they might separate some of these pieces. Investors like clarity, whether they're in a low growth business or high growth business. So I wonder down the road if we may see some of these pieces separate. But obviously that's to come. We'll see how things play out here. But given the sheer number of media reports around a potential deal here, I wouldn't be surprised to see some action in the months ahead. Very good. Always interesting and a pleasure to speak with you, Michael. Thank you for sharing your perspective. Thank you for the time, Anna. And finally, why aren't there more women in security leadership positions? 
Organizations are paying some attention to encouraging more women to follow leadership paths, yet more intention is needed, says Valerie Abend, cyber strategy lead at Accenture. I asked her what the industry needs to be doing differently to attract more females to leadership roles. So attention is good, but it is not intention. And I think we have to have a lot of directed and intentional practices that we measure and monitor in an ongoing fashion and are actually executed by the C-suite and reported out with full transparency. Because if you want to accomplish something, you will make actions very specific for people and you will hold them accountable accordingly. And so if you have an intentional focus about rising women to the top, you will make sure that they are at the seat at the table when a cyber incident occurs and that they have a voice at that table. You will bring them forward into actual board meetings where you're discussing cybersecurity and its intersection with the business. You will actually put them at the table in ways that not only bring them attention, but you will actually show with metrics how you're driving that improvement. One of the things that we know from experience is that when you are interviewing people, you should interview diverse candidates first, for example. There are a lot of ways in which you can actually act with intention to give the women more opportunity, we have to make sure that women feel safe because this is a very risky business we're talking about. And we're talking about companies that are under attack and making headline news. And often the chief information security is the voice and the face of when that breach occurs. It's psychologically quite scary. That comment that Lisa made about personal resilience can only happen if the person in that role feels psychologically safe to be able to say, what often are difficult messages about choices that have been made, not just in the moment, but over years to arrive at a place where potentially you are more vulnerable to an attack. So I think there's a lot there to unpack about how we make women feel that they are ready for that role and position them in ways that other people see them to be ready for that role. That's it from the ISMG Security Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Anna Delaney. Until next time.